first thing we're going to be talking about today is the UFC sponsoring China's Mobile Peacekeeper Elite League, which I didn't know what that was at first, and I looked it up, and it's like Mobile PUBG. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was pretty interesting that, yet again, Tencent's like teaming up with another American company, and it's a little different because it's UFC, which is a like traditional sport, but like still kind of like a younger audience. Uh, And then PUBG. Yeah, that that's kind of, but you know, I think it's it's again you're seeing some conventional sports that are you know teaming up with the sport world because they're trying to grow their they're trying to scale their audience. I mean, it makes sense for any conventional sport, um, and then there's some conventional sports that just aren't really going to have that ability. I mean, baseball for one is just something that you know a lot of people have become very disenchanted with and have lost interest in. So it's very hard for them to, even if they adopted an esports program, to um, attract another audience. The NBA consistently and historically has always stayed relevant in so many different ways. Mm. But this is an interesting article because the publisher Tencent, um, you know, is connected with the tournament organizer VSPN, which... You know, and they're you know they've created this Peace Elite League. You know, now being in COVID and everything under the pandemic, I'm not sure exactly you know when they'll be able to really start doing their part, unless VSPN is setting it up online and streaming it online. Uh, I didn't get to finish the entire article, but I did see that um, you know this is a move I think on the Ultimate Fighting Championships uh, 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 League and and mixed martial arts too really adapt and build their audience and and again you guys you gotta understand ufc what you know what did they came it came out what 10 years ago 15 years ago yeah um, as a whole new as a whole new way of um of one-on-one you know real sport um you know um uh combat like you know and they've really updated boxing pretty much Exactly. It's like, where's boxing? Nobody even watches it anymore. People, More people want to see the UFC than boxing. And UFC has really gained the momentum and the upper hand on, on boxing. For whatever reason, I guess it's the audience is eventually sports, uh, conventional sports. And even, and this is even, uh, you know, relevant in esports, games and things, they don't hold an audience's attention. It's a med- it's a, really a phenomenon in esports more than it is in conventional sports that there's not one real relevant esport that is going to have a long lasting lifespan. Um, it's everything everything is sped up, but that makes plenty of sense because that's the way technology is. That's the way our 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 uh, our, our, our our attention spans are. Mm. You know, everybody has short attention spans. You know. I mean, you talk about what social media now is uh, is all the rage, and if you wanted to talk about the conventional uh, and overall population, TikTok is like, you know, everybody wants to be on TikTok or everyone yeah, watches. Yeah, it's very TikTok. fast-paced, very short to long videos, but very fast-paced platform, and that's what people want. Right. It's it's whether we want it or not. It's like I think we're just we're just sort of like uh, conditioned for it. Mm. It's part. It's part of what we what you know. I personally of, feel like the faster we can go, we probably will go. Right. So that's but why what, it feels what, that way. 
Yeah, and then, you know, eventually what will happen is, you know, you may go back to something that's slower. Maybe people want something. Well, that's why people slow- like putting on records and stuff, too. Right. So it, what be, what's old becomes new, but yeah. what's but, but we haven't had the new yet. So this is a good this is a good move by Tencent. Um, and like every industry, you always have to adapt. I mean, perfect example is I'm running the Casino Esport Conference. We originally just to let our audience know um, we were originally scheduled for the beginning of September, right after Labor Day weekend. Now we're going we've moved it to the end of September and it is in 3D. So we're working with a company called Gamer Jive, and it's going to be amazing. It's going to be a really a cool event because uh, it's not going to be a Zoom call. It's not going to be a Zoom call. It's and interactive. Lot, yeah, it's really inter- it's it's really a video game. It's like being you're there. A, you're in a video game. You you create an avatar. You walk around. It's a video game. That is so cute. And we're trying to. We may do things like, you know, have a contest with. Um, Whoever gets the most amount of networking and contacts and meets the most amount of people will win a prize or something. Yeah. But it, it's going to be fun. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be much more engaging, um, you know, because what's currently on, um, you know, what, what what's currently being shown in the casino industry, for for example, are boring Zoom calls. And people just, like, completely lose. And they're also overwhelming, too, because you don't have the one-on-one. It's more like one person talking, uh, and it just like kind of goes in a circle. It, it feels less personal. It's very uh, chaotic, Zoom calls. Right, and if you really want to find a, um, a person that you want to connect with, it's like you have to go through an entire list of all the attendees, and that's it's not worth it, mm. honestly. My mind with our thing it's like in that your name and your company are like floating above your head while you're walking around the, the exhibit hall so you can like meet anybody you want so you can find them you know and just meet them we're gonna have there's gonna be a mixer and a dance hall and music like in a virtual bar or a 3d bar that's sweet yeah it's gonna be fun Anyway, so that's good. That's the update latest uh, on the CEC in 3D. We like to say CEC in 3D because everyone else says virtual, and we we don't we want to get away from virtual. It's 3D. Yeah, it's 3D, and it's actual video game. But anyway, that's no, this, this and like everybody's pivoting um, in this particular. So you see a lot of things like this happening um, in the in the industry because I mean it just it makes sense during now during the pandemic. To just change, change stream, mid, you know, you know. When and it takes happens- a lot. Honestly, this is the best time ever to go there because it takes away the fear of like talking to somebody in person. Like you have a little bit more time to calculate your thoughts. Like it's personal, and you have your avatars and you're connecting. But it also takes the like anxiety away of human interaction. Think about oh, that. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, because you're you, you can hide behind your avatar. I would love to hide behind my avatar in any given point in my life. <laughs> That's why I love the masks. Oh yeah, nobody knows what you're what you're actually doing. Incognito. <laughs> so uh, I like the mask too, but I really have a hard time breathing. It's a psychological thing, I suppose. When it's hot out, it's hard. Uh, but yeah. in the spirit of the CEC, do you mind if I jump to the last article that I sent you? Um, I can pretty much like spell it out. But the question is, when should esports investors realistically expect ROI? And I think that's a question that a lot of people ask, especially at your conferences. They want to know 
if I'm putting in money, what am I getting back and when am I getting back? You know, it's a, it's an excellent question. This question comes up all the time. Um, not just on our podcast, but on a lot of, a lot of, you know, a lot of podcasts and a lot of people who report about esports. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, honestly, um, there's a, there's a, it's a multiple question because in the article I've talked about, it's not, it's not about, um, it's, it's a lot, it has to do with when do you expect your return? And, and, and some say between five to 10 years, if it's, mm-hmm. if it's, it's an actual, I think the consensus game. he came to was about five years, but it does depend on like scale. I honestly, I'm going to be completely, I'm going to be completely, um, a little harsh here. But honestly, a lot of the companies that are built and created in the United States start off with enormous amounts of investment money, um, blow that money ridiculously, don't watch their bottom dollar, um, spend way too much on things, go way over the top when it's really not needed. I think, you know, I mean, we talked, they talked about Overwatch in this article. Um, what a a bust. Sixty four percent their viewership is down. Sixty four percent, even in a pandemic. Yeah. And this, and that's just like, I mean, can you imagine someone who said, "I spent twenty million dollars on a team, and no one's watching it." I mean, that's like, you you basically. I, how does Activision Blizzard? move on from that how do you well, even as a to... fan it is chaotic to watch it's hard to follow and i right. am very familiar with overwatch about, i'm talking about from the from the investor's standpoint well yeah how does, how does activision blizzard then go out again after they've already ripped people off at 20 million at a 20 million dollar uh, uh evaluation of their teams for to build that league and then they and then they try to do the Call of Duty Call of Duty League. Now, granted, I don't think they asked as much money for the teams for the Call of Duty League, but and I'm not trying to bash the I'm not trying to bash uh, Activision Blizzard. I'm not I'm not saying that. I'm saying where where is the inflection point? Where is that point where the investors then say the investors look at Activision Blizzard when they come and they say, okay, you can buy a team. Um, you know, and then they create another league. Where is the point where the the investor says, "You know what? Um, I don't believe you anymore. You can't evaluate that company, or you can't evaluate that team at X amount of dollars, and then say to me that I'm going to make back my money." Now, if you have a 64% lower um, uh, um, viewership, whose fault is that? Is this the fault of the investor not doing their due diligence? Because you just you just said the viewer is not interested. It's hard to follow. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it's hard to follow. So who should have known that first? Should the investor have known that it was hard to follow and that people would not be interested in it? Maybe. I mean, but I, I, it's not. It's not, there's no way to. It's there's no way to really gauge that. You know. So the valuation of the actual team to be purchased when the Overwatch League started was not at twenty million dollars, but maybe at like five million five or, or two or something like that. And then maybe as the viewership grew, 
okay, if they could grow their viewership, that more money would be raised for that team. And that's and that's because what what I saw happening with that is that everyone's dumping a lot of money and they're rushing into something mm. and they're not letting it sort of like play out. And that's been a, a big problem of what's happened. Now, esports in itself, because of the pandemic, I mean, remember we talked about and I wrote an article about how it would be a bubble and it would pop, but it didn't pop because pa- the pandemic saves its butt. It saved esports. I mean, if it had continued going down that road of evaluating teams at $20 million and asking investors to put their money in for $20 million and then investors kept doing that at some you point. You think it saved it from like a huge recession? Oh, my God. Yes. Mm. And then the shutdown of traditional sports and the ability for people to only have esports to bet on. Yeah, it's pretty much in. That's what they were talking about in the gambling report, the Esports Insider gambling report. Their timeline pretty much was like, esports went up due to COVID. It survived the, now it's starting to survive the sports market because it's actually like sports are coming back and esports is still doing pretty well in comparison. And like, it was a time period for everybody to truly assess esports as a whole and especially in gambling as well so uh, covid was like a huge catalyst for the industry to grow very quickly and very publicly oh very quickly very publicly and here is for the first time i i get i come to the crossroad with um uh i come to a crossroad with the publishers and say hey you almost the publishers also who have always tried to avoid the concept of wagering and gambling because they thought you know from a from a public relations standpoint that that was a bad move now they're they, they're looking they see the how much it was how much it was utilized for that reason how much it was utilized for wagering and how 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 long can they now you know say that it's bad public relations when it, it they were thrown into the fire because of the pandemic, because there was no regular sports, everybody was betting on, you know, um, you know, NBA 2K tournaments and NASCAR tournaments, Formula One and all these other things. And and, and then there were some tournaments that were for good. You know, they, they did No Kid, no kid Hungry. Um, there were there was International Federation of Red Cross stuff that they raised money for, which was all positive. But people were betting on these tournaments. So in so in, in so many words, the publishers now are sort of in the corner and say, you know what, we gotta we gotta come out. Because it actually almost looks worse if they say, you know, we don't want to deal with the gambling side of things. Because then it's like if you don't admit that your your games are being uh, used to for people to wager on, then then you're almost it's like you're trying to hide something. Yeah. And, you know, we're, you know, but just you embrace it because it's not bad. Right. So you're seeing, but you're seeing, you know, but, you know, they're talking about, oh, we, you know, esports, uh, young, a lot of young people play it and they're underage. Well, like I've always said, like you said, like everyone said in, in, in esports, people, young people play baseball, young people play football, young people play other sports. Yeah. They so, grow up and they become fans. Right, they become fans, and they grow up and and they become fans. And some guys that are really, really good become to the pro circuit, and some of them stay as fans. And guess what? 
They bet on it because it's fun. So why would you not? Why would you? Why would you say to me when I write to you and you're a publisher and you're the you know you're 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 one of the executives at EA or one of the executives at Activision and you turn around and you say, well, I, I can't answer that. I'm going to send this to my PR department and my lawyers and they'll get back to you on whether I can even speak at your conference. Yeah. And then they turn around. They either don't they don't get back to me or I, I bug them and they eventually do get back to me and they say, well, we can't do it because it's a, it, it, it doesn't look like it would be. Because uh, you have, your event is about gambling. Well, hello. Now you don't. You now you can't tell me you can't come to speak at my at the CEC because everybody was gambling on your on your on your games. Yeah. For like four months, <laughs> you know. So I, it's like, it's at the, sort of at this point now where I think it's that, opened a lot of doors. You think? Well, it's a lot. It's opened a lot of a, a lot of conversations. I think between the gambling industry and the actual esports mm, industry. That's a good thing. And that is a good thing. But I, you know, I knew that that was going to happen. It just happened a lot sooner than I thought it was going to happen because of the pandemic, which yeah. is which is great news for me because there's a lot more reason for people to come to my event now than there ever was. Um, although it is, you know, it, it's going to be a 3D event. It's going to be really cool because it's actually going to be a video game. I think that sounds better. Do it from your house. You don't have to travel. Yeah, well, listen, people save money on on flights. They don't have to get lodgings. And then hopefully in 2021, when we when we can come to a, a place where COVID is under control, then we'll, you know everyone's going to want to go back to having live events. Yeah. I mean, esports is definitely going to... I mean, there's all these tournament organizers that want to set up these these esport tournaments and there's all these companies that want to build esport arenas and stuff like that that's not going to go away that's going to come back because if esports becomes as popular as it was during the pandemic at, on online and people were staying home and watching it and they were playing games it'll be just as popular when it, the pandemic ends yeah if maybe more so than it was before the pandemic I think definitely more so. Of course. So it's going to be a place where there's going to be so much more interest, so much more um, building of the of the industry of esports. After this pandemic ends, you're going to see esports like light up, like like crazy. It's going to go nuts, like even more nuts than it was before the pandemic. Mm. Even more nuts than it was, you know two, three, four, or five years ago. It will be, I mean, after this pandemic ends, and when you start adding the live events, esports is going to be the thing everyone's going to be doing. It's going to be huge. And there'll be more different games. I mean, it might, you know, Valorant may be the game that comes out, or, you know, there might be another game that, um, that, uh, that Epic, comes out with or something like that i mean there's going to be more games and those games are going to grab a lot of attention and they may last for longer and you know csgo might be that game that just holds its steady pace with the older crowds yeah so there's a lot there's a lot of promise there's a lot of um 
uh, there's a lot of future for this for the industry of esports and video gaming. It's but, you know, and what, but you but if you go back to the return on the investment, and and if you want a good return on investment, I think it's the investor's responsibility to do their due diligence. Who's the people that are running the the their their investment? Who are those people? What kind of background do they have? How long have they been able to? Um, what if, what else have they done? What else have they turned around? What other companies have they built? You know, everything is about the players, and not just the players that actually play the game, but the players behind the players, the people that are the ones that are making it all happen. Who's their driving force? Who's their leader? What's their team about? And that's if you want a good return on your investment, that's what I think a, a, a smart investor is going to do is do their due diligence. And, and, you know, I can tell you right now, I'm, I'm you know, right now, I, I've told you and I mentioned it before in the podcast, I'm raising a seed funds now for GameCon. Mm. And I'm going to tell you right now, I've done a lot of things in my life. I have a long history of being successful with businesses. So what does that really all add up to? That adds up to someone give that guy a chance because if that guy has a history of doing something with very little mind you to start with anything then that guy's someone i would put my money behind because if he could do it with barely nothing imagine what he could do with something exactly so there's there's and that's the that's the that's the ability that's who you have to look for if you're an investor out there you want to find that person that's going to be able to take something and make it make nothing from something or make something from nothing. <laughs> but uh, no, that's that's I, I you know hundred percent. There was another article we you sent me over today, and it's about the E-Star's plans to boost fan engagement and player revenue. Yeah, I was just gonna so, breeze over that because it didn't one hundred fit. Yeah, but I mean it. It makes again. It's it's esports stars, a Japan-based company esports matching platform that intends to open up a new revenue stream for professional esports. Now this is interesting because. I don't know if you remember the guys that were at the uh, Game Con in two, 2018, ProScrim. This is a lot like the ProScrim platform. And that was a concept of, you know, professional scrimmaging against semi-pros um, and, and pros yeah. uh, to challenge them. Um, and it's a great way for, you know, the actual players, the professional esports players to make money. And it's a great way for other people who aren't professionals to get noticed. It's a good platform. It makes a lot of sense. But, you know, um, there are other platforms that are like that. They're just not, you know, they don't report about them. Yeah. And, you know, this is this is a thing. And the other thing about the I just want to touch one more time on, on the return on the investment thing. And, you know, when you're when people are looking to invest in esports, they got to also understand that esports is still a growing market, which was yes, mentioned. It in the yeah, it was like it's in the second inning or something. And they also have to understand that it's part two and four, right? And it's still gaining, okay? It's still gaining the popularity. It's still building its following. And where is it building that following for from? And and if you understand, if first an investor has to understand the entire ecosystem of not esports, but of the video gaming industry, and the video gaming fan, if they don't really understand that. You know, simply, I break it really down to a very small uh, uh, group of people. I take my three sons, 
I got an 18-year-old, I got a 22-year-old, and I got a 25-year-old. The 25-year-old, again, I've mentioned this on the podcast, he played for Rutgers Super Smash Brothers. Likes competitive and the fighting game community games. Okay, that's him. That's one out of three. The other one plays Arkham City. Yeah. And and, 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 and Skyrim and all these other games. And he doesn't want to be... He doesn't like competition. And then the third one is creative. So he likes to play Minecraft and da-da-da-da-da and all those other games and stuff like that. So here you go. You got two out of the three, which basically if you use those three guys and you represent them as the entire video gaming industry, you got one that really was into eSports, but there are other two that you can turn into eSport fans. Because they're already in the ecosystem. Yes. So they're potential fans. Because they are already involved in video gaming. They love video gaming. So this is this is where an investor has to understand what's the potential of that game to capture not the 10% of the 9 billion people, whatever it is, or 4.9 billion people that play video games every day. But what's the potential of that game and that brand to gather and gain more attention from the other 90% of the video gaming industry. Hmm. And that's really really what an investor has to look at when they want a, a good ROI. And it's very hard to do. Because it's like of, you have to predict the future. Right, and there's not a lot of studies on that. Because the video gaming and the esports world is a, is a, is a new phenomenon. So we, we, we there's not a lot to go on, but I think if you if you do your do a little bit of studying and you can talk to the right people before you make your investment, that's the best thing to do. And listen, there's a lot of people out there that's selling a lot of, um, I call you know they're snake oil salesmen, and it it's a bad it's a bad you know it, it looks bad for esports yeah. in the. So you got to be careful with that. And you got to also, you know, go to people that you trust, go to people that if they don't know somebody, let them send that business plan to somebody else to review before you make your investment, because it makes sense to do that. That's the best you could do for now, because it is a small industry, as it was mentioned in the article. Um and there are there are players involved in in every aspect of everything, regards to studios and organizations and teams and etc. But I understand your industry, not just the esports industry, but the video gaming industry as a whole. Yes, every level, and I think that's where investors will make a good a good decision. So maybe they should just call me. <laughs> you heard it, everyone. That's right, or you. One of us will help him out with for a fee as a consultant. Never free. Never free. Nothing is. Except for this podcast. <laughs> Except for this podcast. <laughs> exactly.